This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Cannabisradio.com proudly presents Grassroots Marketing. Each episode curates thought-provoking dialogue with an exclusive class of thought leaders who will offer high-end roundtable business strategies and solutions that seek to prune and harvest great ideas in each 30-minute episode. Thought leaders in the cannabis industry convene here to share some of their best practices and protocols. Let's chart the growth of this burgeoning industry, one of the world's premier cash crops, right now on Grassroots Marketing. Welcome to Grassroots Marketing. I'm your host, Karen Canton. Thank you so much for joining us. I am joined with Martina Jacarino, counsel with a Nevada-based Black and Labello. I'm also joined by Avis Babulian of Babulian Consulting. Welcome to the show. Martina, what is your role in the medical marijuana industry? I'm a practicing attorney. I've been an attorney for 20 years. I started out doing medical malpractice defense work. I've defended product liability cases for uh, pharmaceutical companies and big tobacco. I come to the cannabis industry. I'm friendly to the industry. I think of myself as a friend who is trying to advise the industry on what it can do better, how we can learn from the mistakes of other industries that produce any kind of product that people actually consume into their body. So when I work with clients in this area, it's it's consulting on how to avoid those types of risks. And it's important for people in the business to understand what I am talking about is not very closely related to code compliance. I talk about how businesses can avoid being sued by people who claim that they were injured by their product. Code compliance is not necessarily defense. It's certainly not a strong defense. It's a totally different area of law. So that's what I do with clients and I do uh, speaking engagements and I write articles on that topic as well as medical marijuana's impact in the employment arena, which is also an area where I practice. Definitely. That is something a lot of people going into this industry are conscious of is the fact of employees and the medical marijuana industry. What are the areas where you expect the industry to mature and improve faster than 
comparable earlier industries, Martina? Well, the cannabis industry is going to have to mature more quickly than industries like pharmaceutical companies, tobacco companies, alcohol companies. And the reason for that is that there's a body of case law out there that is tells us exactly what the standard of care needs to be to avoid what I call negative outcomes, injuries to other people as a result of use of the product. So I expect that our industry will mature faster than those industries, and I also think that it's important that we understand that we must mature faster than those other industries. Now, tobacco and pharmaceutical companies have to put warning labels. Are you anticipating that's going to happen with the medical marijuana industries when they go into the dispensaries to get their product? Of course, there are warnings that are required in most states now. But again, what we're seeing is the warnings that um, are required by state law are obviously necessary for people to maintain their license, right? But they're completely inadequate as far as defense against a lawsuit because there's a lot more information out there about cannabis than you can contain in a warning on a label. As the industry moves forward, we'll have package inserts that are required to give adequate warnings and description of how cannabis impacts your body and your mind. So we're going to have to have certain types of packaging so it doesn't fall into the hands of children and so on and so forth. That's an area where we're all going to have to be cognizant. Avis, what is the area that new licenses or applicants are least prepared for when they come to you? I think it's just the overall process of what it actually takes to submit a competitive or winning application. Uh, people think of an application as a couple of pages of questions. When I find out a new client, one of the first things I do with them is show a complete application from other states. So they'll have that image of a 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 page application in the back of their mind throughout the entire process. I'll put it to you this way. The New York application on my group just submitted were 66,000 and 62,000 pages each with originals and copies included. The application takes a good full day to two days just to assemble it. All that content is from months of work. In the beginning, the groups are having fun towards the middle and just around the time the regulations are being finalized, the, rea the reality of what they've gotten themselves into starts to set in and that's when groups get very serious. A lot of times this is when groups start falling apart because uh, the proper foundation wasn't laid. So I think it's just the overall process that they're not expecting. Your background is really interesting because not, not only are you consulting, but you also own a cannabis business but your background is insurance claims. Why do you think it's difficult for risk for the insurers to to evaluate the risk for this industry? I think it comes down to a lack of knowledge, historical data, and exposure to the industry. To evaluate risk and assign a monetary value to it, you have to first know what the risk is. You have to know what the historical data is as it relates to any given industry and this associated risk with it. This industry is still in its infancy and there are a ton of unknowns. The operator is always going to under, understate the risk and the underwriter is always going to want to make sure they're not exposing themselves. Give the industry a couple of years and carriers will have historical data they can look to to guide them. But I think that's why it's difficult to evaluate the risk for an insurer. It really comes down to lack of knowledge, historical data, and exposure. So, Avis, the security and the ventilation systems, to my knowledge, that uh, that is something that plays a large role in the building and l has less of an impact with the insurers. Am I correct on that? 
Yes and no. It does have an impact on it, but again, because the carriers don't have that exposure to the industry, they don't truly appreciate or accept the security measures that go into any operation. Just to put it into perspective, for instance, a 50,000-square-foot cultivation facility is going to have about $150,000 to $200,000 worth of security cameras and systems. A dispensary, about 2,000, 3,000 square feet of it, the security system is probably going to cost them in the neighborhood of eighty dollars to $120,000. If, if, if this same thing applied to a traditional business, insurance carriers would take that into consideration and it would be reflected in the premium. And this industry doesn't make too much of a difference. Martina, I'm going to go back to you. How does medical cannabis compare to other medications? Well, just with regard to the legal context, obviously, one of the interesting things about cannabis is that it, it was historically, you know, it's been illegal for a long time. With most uh, prescription medications, medications that have an impact on the way your brain works or the way your body works, the person, the entity, the scientist who invented the drug controls the first wave of research because they're studying this chemical compound, trying to prove that it has a good benefit, trying to prove that it doesn't have any side effects. With cannabis, we're, we're at a disadvantage because we have the FDA has been, they, all studies have to go through the FDA. For example, in 2013, there were actually 2,000 studies on cannabis, but only 6% of those studies set out to show a benefit. The rest of the studies set out to show a risk. So we have a situation where as far as peer-reviewed medical literature that you can use in a court of law, there's a lot more negative than there is positive. Even though we have a lot of other information that shows that there are many medical benefits, but the, the difference between word-of-mouth benefit and the kind of information that gets into a court of law is, is very different. So it's incumbent upon the people in the industry to keep doing everything we can to put people in office who are going to push to make this a Schedule II drug so that we can get more research done that shows the benefits. Are there product cases already in progress? Yes, up in Colorado, Combs versus Broadway Melt. A really interesting case, actually. Soon after Colorado went recreational, there was a county, you know, a county fair. Obviously, there's ordinances that prevent people from handing out live THC samples in public. But there was a pot pavilion, and business owners were, you know, handing out samples. And at least one plate of samples was actually a live sample. There were several people who claimed that they had a really bad experience from that. One person in particular who supposedly had never used cannabis in his life, that's what he's saying, became so paranoid, his heart was racing, he was brought to the hospital. By the time the experience was over, he thought that his wife was trying to kill him. Certainly there's wow. medical records that show that this occurred, right? And you can right. see that if he didn't... You can see that if he truly didn't know that he was consuming THC, that would be a disturbing experience. There were several other people who sought medical care because they didn't know what was wrong with them, and it turned out to be THC. What's interesting about the Coombs case is that... Martina, can we get back to that? We're we're going to right now. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be joined by Martina Jacarino and Avis Babulian. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Grassroots Marketing will return after we generate traffic to our generous sponsors. 
great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. (laughs) Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the the, the king, right? You just have, you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. (laughs) (laughs) The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with more motivating marijuana monetization insights on grassroots marketing. Only on CannabisRadio.com. We're joined by Martina Jacarino and Avis Babillion. Martina, we were talking about the, the case in Colorado. Well, I think one of the important points that MME owners, not the people who actually are invested in the industry, can take away from that situation is there was one person who probably had a valid experience, a valid claim. It's now a class action. Because when people find out that someone is getting money because there was a live THC sample where there should not have been, it's amazing. And, it, and if you don't document the intentions of the people that you deal with, it will be, stoned will be an actionable side effect. There will be people who claim that they didn't intend to take THC. There will be people who claim that they didn't intend to get high or get stoned. So you really have to obviously control where the product goes, then also understand what your customer's intentions are, because you may need that documentation later. In Combs 2, obviously, the fact that someone apparently drugged people without their consent, I mean, that's a crime. Maybe the person meant it to be funny or to be fun, but... That's a pretty serious event, and whether or not the manager was present or what their employment practices are will go into whether or not the people who own the business are liable for the event. 
but it's instructive for a lot of reasons. So you're saying at that point when that transpired that they were thinking that there was no product there, the chocolate or what have you, was laced with the THC and someone put put that there. Right, exactly. There were signs all over saying that there was no THC in any of the samples because it was actually against the county ordinance to have live samples there. In contradiction to those signs, there were live samples there. Now, probably some of the people who entered the pavilion wanted a live sample and were offered one on the fly. But there's at least one person who's claiming, I didn't want a live sample. I just felt like eating a candy bar and ate an entire chocolate bar. So that's like 16 doses, you know, had a really bad experience. The reality is that that's not really an unforeseeable event. I mean, that's what happens when you have something that goes from being absolutely forbidden controlled to being legal. There's going to be people who try it who've never tried it before simply because it was illegal. So do MME businesses need to consider the stoned side effect or a side effect? They absolutely do. When they first have a new patient comes to a dispensary, they need to document that patient's intentions. And the reason for that is that for, you know, for better or worse, most cannabis strains are mind-altering substances. And although in the industry, many people like the impact that they get from cannabis, but particularly here in Nevada, it's legal only for medical purposes. So for example, in a courtroom, it would be quite credible for someone to come and say that they were there because they wanted the medical benefit from the product, but they did not expect to get high, stoned, paranoid. Those are all side effects, and I think cannabis is probably a lot safer than opiates, but for comparison purposes, the reality is that if someone has a prescription for an opiate or a mood stabilizer, the warnings on that bottle identify basically mind-altering symptoms as being side effects. That's not what they're intended to do. And in places where cannabis is being sold as medication, stoned is a side effect. Absolutely it is. And so that's, that's just something that happens and people need to understand that. Does a medical marijuana business owner have to worry about the product getting into the hands of a child? The parent's responsibility. It really depends on the facts of the situation. What I can tell you is that the owner is responsible for products getting in the hands of any reasonably foreseeable user. For example, let's just talk about cookies that don't have THC in them. I can tell you that I have literally observed my four-year-old climbing the pantry as if it were a ladder to get a forbidden cookie. Literally, this is my personal experience. Now, most people have kids. So you have to anticipate that when you're selling a product that is in the form of candy and cookies and things like that, it is going to be attractive to kids. If you sell that product in a child-proof package, if you have your patients fill out paperwork that documents the age of their kids, that documents that you offered them like a, a lockbox, a safe, then you're, you have a lot better chance of saying that it was not foreseeable to you that your product would end up in the hands of a child. But the law on product liability is um, there are many situations where kids are exposed to things that they're not supposed to be exposed to, and it's not that often that it's mommy's fault. Um, it really depends on the strength of your warnings and the strength of your preventative acts.
obviously here, I mean, we require childproof packaging. But what happens once the package is open? If the package has more than one serving, what are you telling your patients to do once they open the package? Do we have products in place that would prevent children or people that are not supposed to have in their hands? There are drug safes. In fact, there's a business called Drug Safe. Um, you know, I think the, the state-of-the-art drug safe has a finger, fingerprint lock. So you put your medications in there, not just for cannabis, for any kind of dangerous medication, which is, frankly, most medications. If you take a whole bottle of antibiotics, you're not going to feel good either. You know, so um, a dispensary should be carrying those, obviously because we would prefer to prevent a child being injured, but also from my standpoint as your defense attorney, I want to have the document that shows that you carry this product to your customer and your customer declined this product because it helps us. Avis, since you are consulting with not only the cultivation, the production, but the dispensaries, the people who own all three from the cultivation center to the dispensary, do you advise them on the risks involved in the packaging aspects of it? Oh, absolutely. I always advise on inserts, labeling, usually with state licenses. There are very strict state regulations that operators have to comply with. I always suggest for them to go a little bit above and beyond what the state regulations are asking of them. I'll give you an example of traditional business. You go buy a, any kind of electronic device, they have so many warnings on there from everything, including don't submerge the product in water, something that's just common sense. So in this situation, when you're dealing with the Schedule One drug, you're dealing with the product, but there's a big lack of education, you definitely want to include a lot of labeling. Uh, your marketing practices have to, be, have to be conscious of everything that you do in this industry. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be joined by Martina Jacarino and Avis Pabullion. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Grassroots Marketing will return after we generate traffic to our generous sponsors. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of, of many of those things, and, and find ourselves in a, a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill 
You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with more motivating marijuana monetization insights on grassroots marketing, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I wanted to ask you, Martina, what are some of the things that people can do to reduce the risk of the lawsuits we've been speaking of? The first thing they can do is understand the risks, not just of product liability, but all the risks that a legal business faces and consult with a knowledgeable, conscientious insurance professional who will explain what the coverages are, what's included, what's not included. The second thing, you need to surround yourself with other quality professionals who understand the positives and the benefits of cannabis and are willing to be honest about that. People who have access to medical literature that's peer-reviewed, the type of information that you can use in a court of law, those are the types of benefits that you can indicate to patients they might experience. The third thing properly train employees and encourage them to read credible literature themselves. Don't allow your employees to talk about their personal experiences. This is a business. A related issue is you allow your employees to work while they've been taking cannabis unless they're using it pursuant to a prescription. That can impact your insurance coverage in a lot of ways. Your employees need to be properly trained and they need to be managed just like in any other business. The fourth thing is to not to make your business a target. There's a lot of publicity right now about all the money that you can make in a legal cannabis business. That creates targets in the business. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, I come from a background of medical malpractice defense, product liability defense. When the big tobacco lawsuits were going on, people fought for years information about the profits that were made by big tobacco companies. People fought for years to find out the day-to-day profits of particular drug companies because that information hurts you in a court of law defending a claim. The fifth thing is probably the most important thing. We need to document all the things we're doing right because when it comes down to the courtroom, admissible documentation rules the entire process. So you have to consult with an attorney in this that's knowledgeable in the area of tort defense. It's very different than compliance. Compliance is often not a defense at all to a tort lawsuit. In some states, it's somewhat of a defense. It's admissible. It's the bottom below which you cannot fall. So what you really need is someone who understands the factors that come into the courtroom in product liability claims. And you also need a credible doctor not someone who is just using the medical marijuana industry to increase his income, but someone who is knowledgeable about the risks and the benefits that can work with your attorney to make package inserts that are credible and comprehensive. I also think that it's really important that patients fill out forms when they come to your dispensary that talk about why they're there. Not just what their card says, but what is their intention, and they sign all their waivers. So there's a lot of different things that you can do that as your trial attorney, I've done 15 jury trials. So I know the things that I like to have when I'm defending a case. You need someone who can tell you what those things are that you can use 
because it's not just about the fact that for the most part, cannabis is safe. It's about the fact that when people are on the plaintiff side of a case or frankly, sometimes if they're just having a financial downturn, they'll claim anything. And if you don't have something to fight back with, it can become very expensive. Those are the five things that I tell people that I implement, not just in the cannabis industry and other industries as well, that I've learned from doing medical practice defense. Well, we're running out of time, so tell us, Avis, how they can get a hold of you. Well, I can be contacted through the web, www.bullioncg.com. That's B-U-L-B-U-L-Y-A-N-C-G.com. Thank you so much, Avis. Martina, how can they get a hold of you? Right now, if you put Martina Marijuana into Google, that's going to lead you to me, and that's going to lead you to Black and Labello. Our website is blacklabellolaw.com. I want to thank Avis and Martina for being on the show and the producers for making this possible. Thank you so much. and We hope you join us for our next edition of Grassroots Marketing. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.